This is a Rooster Teeth production. Aliens. They seem to be the answer to many paranormal stories, but no other place has attracted as much extraterrestrial attention as today's topic. It's been the center to many government conspiracies, stories about close encounters with otherworldly beings, and recently the focus of internet attention as users presumed to storm the gates. Today we're going to talk about the history and conspiracies surrounding the infamous Area 51. This is Red Web. Task Force, it's been a hot minute since we brought aliens back to the plate, but you know what this is. It's Red Web, the show all about mysteries, true crime, anything unsolved, we're going to get into it. Today, I'm your host, Trevor Collins, joining me with the gut instinct, Alfredo Diaz. I see I see what you guys are mm-hmm, doing, you mm-hmm. Christian and the research team. We're worming okay, this you, stuff you're, in. You guys are, alright, the, the Red Web mystery tree has got mm. some fruit dangling and hanging but you're leaving someone the plumpest juiciest fruit way up high because we're like episode 150 we're now (laughs) just tackling area 51 oh yeah first and foremost if you listen to the show you know my stance i believe that there must be some type of intelligent life form out there Mm -hmm. the universe is so massive it's ever growing it's it's a statistical certainty in your mind i bet on those statistics okay that being said, there's just so many things. Like, I'm about to talk to you about the Fermi paradox at some point. Oh, I don't know what that is, but I'm excited if, to learn if about there's it. Like aliens, most things on this show. Why why do we not know about it? Because the universe at? is huge. Mm, mm. Let me launch you into space and see if you can find <laughs> anyone. <laughs> um, super excited. Uh, the I guess the big thing I'll say before we get into it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing there. Why are they guarding it so heavily? Ooh. Oh, well, we're going to crack open this case. We're going to talk about the history, the very colorful history about oh. Area 51. We got Jillian uh, in the Hello. chair in the hot seat. Jillian, how's it feel to be the chair today? Um, it's, it's exciting, especially because I went off the deep end with this one. Now, so. have we pushed you off the deep end or do you live there with me? <laughs> I, I definitely live there. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, I'm good. We're in good company. Fredo, we'll draw you into the depths. But yeah, I'm very excited to talk Area 51, and uh, at some point, we're, I've brought it up before, we're going to have to talk about the, the Fermi Paradox, because it's a whole other conversational piece, but basically, it's just the question, why haven't we seen them? And it, and it goes mm. into way more detail than that. Of course, the universe is big, however... It's also old. It's old. So if... It, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, but we've been like, it could be cr- slightly I'm, I'm intelligent st- life forms. I mean, like, look how long we've been around, which is granted not a... Not a, it's a blip on the timeline right, right. of the universe, right. right? But, I mean, you could have other life forms that are half as smart, you know, that haven't had as mm. much time to evolve. They're out there. They just don't have the means. Right. To, I'm, I listen, feel like... I'm threatening to go off the, as right, I right, said, right, the right, deep right. end and, and like a huge tangent here. Oh, 100%. We'll but, get into it. But all I'm saying is like the barrier, like uh-huh. that's a very, right, right. very thick water break through in terms of like I'm an intelligent life form but I'm an intelligent life form that can traverse the universe right that's right. huge the issue is even in our short lifespan as humankind mm. we're already noodling on the idea of interstellar travel right and so where has any other like the odds of another intelligent species 13 billion years of time for them to right. show up it, it really 
anyway, I, I could go on and on. Mm, yeah, yeah. I just need a good excuse to get into it. You mm -hmm. know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Let's talk Area 51 is what we're here for. It's what everyone clicked on. Task Force, I hear you getting fidgety. Let's do it. Far out in the American deserts of the West lies a highly classified United States Air Force facility commonly known as Area 51. While Area 51 currently operates as a remote detachment of California's Edwards Air Force Base, it resides within a 4,531 square mile plot of land called the Nevada Test and Training Range, or NTTR, which is also part of the Nellis Air Force Base. Very quickly could get confusing, feel free to stop me if you need any clarity. But that is a lot of land. The facility is officially known as Groom Lake, or Homey Airport, due to its proximity to the salt flats of the dried up Groom Lake. Salt flats act as perfect natural runways for test flights and emergency landings alike, due to their incredible size and flat grade. You'd say, well, why not build a runway? That's a lot of concrete, a lot of time, and uh, a lot of runways are maybe two miles. These salt flats are very expansive. Oh, that's awesome. And very remote. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. And this is also why you'll find a plethora of governments and military facilities in this area in particular. Again, it's remote, it's flat, it's perfect for things that fly and go fast. Ah, uh, see, now you're laying down the foundation of why... Yeah. Like, you're telling me different government divisions are essentially like, this land is perfect for different government divisions to reside in. Yes. Mm. Pretty much. See? Because they do. Now that's starting to answer my question of why is it so heavily guarded, because they got, they got a lot going on. Oh, yeah. Okay. We're going to use factual history to basically build the case as to why people have so many conspiracy theories that center on Area 51. So instead of having theories at the end of this episode like we normally right. do, we're actually going to explore some of the stories that center around this area. Oh, that's awesome. And we'll have some grounded reality to answer why those stories may or may not exist, oh, okay. or as fact, right? So to attach this location to a popular tourist destination, to give people that mental map I try to paint, Area 51 is 83 miles, or 134 kilometers, north-northwest of Las Vegas. To reiterate, even though it's closer to Nellis Air Force Base, Area 51 is administered by Edwards Air Force Base in California. Fun fact, I, before coming here to do this as my job, had a job offer as a test flight engineer for the F-35 at Edwards Air Force Base. Your boy was a stone's throw from going to Area 51. So Area 51 is huge. That being said, it is dwarfed by the surrounding Nellis Air Force Base kind of range, but it is 23 miles by 25 miles, kind of like a little rectangular or squarish shape. It's a plot of land with heavily restricted airspace, even to other military planes. This place is, as you identified, very heavily guarded. So even the people that have clearance don't have enough clearance. Yeah. And the people that work there get flown in from the Las Vegas airport in a plane with blacked out windows. So even they, and then when they land, they get into a shuttle, into a bus with blacked out windows that then take them to their final destination, whatever hangar they work at, for example. I don't know. You know, or, or maybe they... I, I guess there's like, yeah, multitude of reasons. I, I mean, like, but it's also kind of weird where you're like, I don't know. I feel like, like, use that for our office. If someone was like... I'm going to fly you, mm -hmm. say you lived like in an adjacent city or something like that, or, or just, you know, close by. Mm -hmm. I'm going to fly you in yeah. to the office airspace. And then from there, you're going to take a shuttle to go to the specific office building. I don't know. Like, I don't, it's just right there. 
Like I see it in Google Maps. I can see, I can see it in like, Google. I, I looked at you know satellite imagery. Like, I can see it's, it. You know what I mean? I guess like if, I can since, plot the route. Since it's so large and there's so many different yeah hangers. Yeah. Which hangar am I in? I think it's also hard to like pinpoint. I don't, I don't for know. Sure, like, for sure. I think it also has to do with the fact that there must be a lot of underground tunnels, offices, what have you. That's a huge theory. Is that not a lot of it is completely visible? So can we like? Isn't there know. just some kind of high-powered magnetism mm. type of spit that science uh, X-ray scatter thing? Yeah, an X-ray scatter can... science thing. No, I'm sure they have something with like, like Jillian can't they help like, you now. I don't know. Like press it up against a rock, and it's like the rock is this dense, and it's there's there's these hollow points and everything like that. And and then like, can we do that just like on the ground of or near the ground of area? I see you're talking about sonar. Real science. Oh yeah, 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 yeah I got sonar. you. No, I'm for sure. <laughs> it's it's entirely possible. I I don't know how close to the ground you'd have to be. Also, if you're kind of like yeah, that yeah, I you'd mean, be threatening who knows some the limitations like, and everything like that. Right. And also, they're like stop pointing devices at the ground. Um, but that's interesting because do we have? I'm sorry, like this is all just so fascinating. No, that's okay. Me. Get into it. That's do, what we're here for. Do we have any facilities? that have an elaborate underground system or like, you know what I mean? I'm talking like, yeah, you ever yeah. seen like Resident Evil 1, the like the Resident Evil movie, not mm -hmm, the animated, like mm -hmm. Resident Evil movie, the Umbrella Corp is like down under and you take levels and he breaches oh, out. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. honeycomb No, thing. for sure. I see what is, you're saying. Is, do we have anything that's like elaborate like that? I don't know factually. I'm Googling. Jillian, what you got? I'm Googling. Jillian, Jillian will get back, but I just... So I know for a fact that... I, I know we have like small bunkers. Right. I, I worked at GE for uh, some time yeah. a few years ago in uh, Cincinnati at, at GE Aviation. And there are definitely underground paths and tunnels and things that people use to transport things around. It's also for manufacturing and whatnot. But mm. that's as far as I'm aware at most facilities. If there is a 10 story deep kind of secret facility, I, I really doubt we would know. Oh, that's, that's true. Oh, what do we okay. got? At the very least, there is the Cheyenne Mountain Complex. Okay. Which is a Space Force defensive bunker Ooh. in... What? Space Force. And here is a one of the offices. Oh, oh that's wow. cool looking. Very it kind of looks like a mission control yeah. met uh, an yeah. accounting design team. It yeah. is their command center. Oh, interesting. Okay. At least from 2003. So I guess we got something like yeah. that. I googled it and a, at least a couple things There's a, There's up. a couple? Yeah. Okay. Would you want to work at one of those places? Deep, deep under the ground, safe from anything that could happen. I don't know. When they I, when the aliens come and glass our planet, you'll be safely miles below the surface. For what though? Great answer. I that's exactly how I would feel. It's a giant timer on the board at that point. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. I, I'd also get a little claustrophobic. But anyway, here here is also a map. Just for your interest, just of the area. God, it's large. Yeah. So Air Force Range, Nevada Test Site, Air Force Range, Desert National Wildlife Range. So the the training range, the whole Nevada Test and Training Range is mm -hmm. the size of Connecticut. Oh yeah. It's huge. Wow. It's massive. Yeah. It's really hard to tell when you see a zoomed in map. Yeah. But yeah, when you compare it to other relatively smaller states, it's surprising just how massive these areas are. But Coming back to the idea of Area 51, we talked about the formal names that it has. It's unknown exactly why it's called Area 51, but it's believed that the name comes from the Atomic Energy Commission's maps. These maps broke out this remote land into plots referred to as areas, 
with incremental numbers. So you'd have area 25, you'd have area 26, etc. That said, on these maps, these areas only go up to 30. So it's an intrigue as to why it's 51. Well, that's why they, people think it's underground. Oh. Because there's... Area 30 to 51 is underground. Oh. And then 51 just breached the surface to be like, <laughs> yeah, I'm here, a just bit. to confuse that's, that's you. That's the exit. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exit the, only. That's yeah. the gift shop. Yeah. Now, it's also been referred to as Dreamland and Paradise Ranch, which we'll give you a little bit more context for later, but I've never heard those. Dreamland? What is this, a theme park? I don't... It's it's kind of to... It is doing the same thing the theme park is. It's to tickle your fancy and, and build interest. But here's the thing. If you don't want people bugging you, you don't want people entering. Right. Don't this, give it alternate names like Dreamland. Dreamland and Paradise Ranch were more for like coaxing employees out there. People that would work at this facility, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's Paradise Ranch. And you're like, okay, I well, like I guess so, I'll work there now. This feels so oddly unnecessary. Right. Yeah. I, I kind of like homie airport, and that's where me and all the, my homies go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we when oh, we go flying. Yeah, we hang out. And then we go to the lake, you know, Groom Lake. It sounds like a, a lovely time, but it's actually just a, a dry lake. Yeah. Just flat bed. I don't know where anything is. We're constantly going from one place to the other. Right. Black that windows. There's no McDonald's. There's no grocery. All right, so we've talked now about where it is, how big it is, what it's called, some of the early kind of desires for this this area. It finally became alive as a test facility kind of in the 50s. In 1955 in particular, during Project Aquatone, the CIA, or the Central Intelligence Agency, required a testing site for what would become Lockheed's U-2, a high-altitude reconnaissance aircraft meant to evade radar detection by flying above 60,000 feet. To put that into more familiar terms, that would be 11.4 miles up in the air, or 18 kilometers. That's way up there. What do planes fly at? Like half that. Like 35. 35. Yeah. yeah. This would be actually to to kind of date this episode would be where those high altitude balloons of recent news were. Yeah. Were around that altitude. So incredibly high up. Yeah, it's extremely high. The CIA and Skunk Works, if you've never heard of them, that's actually Lockheed's Advanced Development Program. They call it Skunk Works. They needed a remote location that would allow for extreme secrecy. So what better place than the salt flats of Groom Lake or Area 51? Mm -hmm. After flying over Groom Lake, U2's designer Kelly Johnson actually had this to say, quote, We flew over it and within 30 seconds, you knew that that was the place. It was a perfect natural landing field, as smooth as a billiard table without anything being done to it. Johnson called it Paradise Ranch to encourage employees to move there. So there you have uh, it. Ah, before the area. Right. Okay. Basically, they're like, okay, I've designed this high-altitude spy plane that can take pictures from a super high altitude. Can't be seen by radar. It's perfect. It's nigh-invisible. Now where can we test this? Where can we build it so no one will know about it? They start flying over the deserts, and they go, boom. So it's kind of like one of the origin stories That's of really this whole cool. place. Now, Aquatone was successful and the U.S. was able to spy on the USSR with U-2s until 1960, when unfortunately Gary Powers' U-2 was shot down over the Soviet Union during a reconnaissance mission. As a result, two things happened that are very interesting and actually could be the genesis for the explosion of the theories around Area 51. So, first off, the U.S. government was forced to admit that they were spying on other nations, that they had this mm -hmm. secret aircraft, and two... The Soviet Union now had access to this highly classified plane. And so now this, it's only been a few years. The American populace, the world is now aware, okay, the, the government is spying. They yeah. have advanced technologies that we're not aware of. They have to test it somewhere. 
And oh no, the enemy has the aircraft they just came up with. And so now they have to go back to the drawing board and continue to iterate and further develop new yeah. secret aircraft. I feel like if it was so important and you're flying it over like enemy territory, I feel like you gotta get, you equip the plane with like an aircraft cyanide pill. Ooh. You know what I mean? Something that'll just melt it down to the nuts? Just pop it. Just pop it. Just like They a, can still get stuff out of it, though, you yeah, know? Yeah, they could still get... I guess, like... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you could, you could get stuff, but I guess there'd be better odds. You know? Maybe. I mean, this thing was shot down, and so then it came down from such an extreme altitude. I imagine it... Not a lot of it came intact. Yeah. Hmm. Either way... Cat's out of the bag, right? Right, yeah. This secret aircraft is known about, and this led to the need for more aircraft testing, including the possibility of making the A-12, which was another high-altitude reconnaissance aircraft, very, very similar to the SR-71 Blackbird, one of my favorite aircrafts of all time, but it could go like Mach 3, this thing, super fast. Oh. And so now they're like, well, do we take an aircraft like that and make it unmanned? So that way we don't lose individuals if they ever get shot down. Then it also led to the creation of the drone D-21 Tagboard, which is a wild-looking aircraft. If you've ever seen the SR-71 and you look at one of the engines, it's kind of got a cone in the front, and then it has a cylinder that kind of obviously feeds then into the engine. It looked like the SR-71's engine with wings on it. It, it is so abnormal to the drones that we're aware of today that it, it looks like, how does that fly? Right. Like, like a rocket with wings, basically. Interesting. Yeah. And then, of course... With all of this said, it led for the need to expand Area 51 and continue using this remote site. This expansion included testing spaces, homes, recreational facilities for new employees, etc. to continue to bring out brilliant minds to an otherwise remote and desolate area. Right, but I guess, yeah, you built out the homes, you have them stay there, live there. Mm -hmm. You built out a, I mean, were they building out grocery stores then? Maybe, yeah, I don't know. Oh. Yeah. I guess we don't have, I mean, I guess I'm going to assume we don't have any like Google map. No, we should. I, you could, Google maps goes back to at least the sixties, which is really weird. It but gets all like that, fuzzy and, and dark and black and white and everything. Yeah. I mean, we could look what I imagine and Jillian, correct me if I'm wrong. When you were doing the research here, I imagine they're developing the suburbs of Las Vegas more than they're developing the immediate area of area 51. There is a small town named Rachel not too far away from it. Highly trafficked tourist destination that they, you know, they sell alien merchandise and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but otherwise, since they fly in people on that short little skip over to Area 51, I imagine that it's mostly just coaxing people out to the desert in general or Vegas. Mm -hmm. I think they have some stuff on there, but yeah, I wasn't... Just Almost just because I know that they don't have a lot of yeah. residences there now, but yeah. I don't know. So... At the end of the day, that's kind of the origin of Area 51. And I'm so interested to the fact that, like, the U-2 development is really what helped spur this location to life. One of them being shot down is what almost necessitated its growth and further development, which more firmly attached it in the zeitgeist of the time. People being very curious about what's in the air. What is that UFO? Is that aliens? What are aliens? These are all questions we're all very familiar with now, but at that, at that time, yeah. they weren't as popular of topics. They were more like far-fetched ideas, definitely thinking of the idea of the year 2000, we're going to have flying cars and maybe we'll talk to aliens and maybe we'll go to space and all of that. 
But yeah, we're just on the precipice of the space race here. I, I think it's so interesting to actually finally know the history of Area 51. Yeah. I'm sure most people and a lot of people listening don't know what the right. origin is. Most people know it's like, oh, well, it's a mysterious it's place mysterious, that has aliens. Yeah, secret base and there's rumored to be aliens. Mm-hmm. And and so for me, this is already laying the foundation for like my skeptical self of being like, I mean, they used it to build secret planes, said this was a great place, kept expanding on it. And I'm sure the divisions jumped in and went, we could use this space too. It was great. And then mm -hmm. they just kept, well, since we have a lot of secret stuff here, let's add more secret stuff. And then they had so many things that were just like, okay, we really got to guard this stuff out. And then that's that. Yeah. You know? I'm... I'm so curious. You got me thinking now how deep that facility is. A lot of people actually theorize that what you see on the satellites are, this is what's allowed to you to be seen. Uh, that, well, I mean, like, that at some point they, they declassified it in 2013. So now it's officially public knowledge, but we all kind of knew. But now they're like, oh, well, they're telling us in 2013 because maybe they went to Area 52. Maybe they went somewhere else. And this oh. is just the remnants to be like, hey, look over here while we do the magic over there. I mean, or, yeah, the things are just underground. So it's yeah. like we could show you the topical, like, uh, satellite views and stuff like that. But, I mean, all the big stuff's underground anyways. Yeah. Ah, man. All right. So kind of leaving the history now, I want to talk about some of the various stories from the area that could have a firm holding on Area 51. Before Area 51's existence was officially recognized by the U.S. government in 2013, after a Freedom of Information Act request, fascinating, rumors swirled for decades surrounding the idea of UFOs and government secrecy. Not only is Area 51 home to the espionage tactics and testing, but it also borders the Nevada test site, not to be confused with the aforementioned NTTR. At the Nevada test site, nuclear weapons were tested from 1951 until 1992. In total, this included about a thousand nuclear weapons tests. We bombed the crap out of our own desert. How's it not just radiation poisoning up the wazoo? Oh, well, I'm sure there is. Okay. I mean, we just yeah. uh, we just gloss over that. But we just there were also baby ones. There's they were they weren't like huge devastating ones. They were just oh. baby devastating ones. Got it. Yeah. Also, the whole, like, act where, you know, it has to be revealed and everything like that. I mean, like, how much can you really trust that, though? The Freedom of Information yeah, thing? Yeah, Freedom of Information. Well, what's interesting is I've, I've seen Freedom of Information Act request denials on way less sinister stuff. You're like, oh, no, 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 we can't, we can't reveal that. It's classified. But I'm like, but you can reveal a top secret That's test facility saying. for aircraft? Like, I feel like they just have that, just... Yeah. You know what I mean? For the general public to be like okay sure yeah mm -hmm. i mean eventually we'll see and it's nothing but like they're not gonna it's the damn government man they're not gonna fall they're flying aircrafts secret aircrafts over yeah. like enemy territory you know what i mean like they're not gonna play by the rules it's, they're not gonna sit here and be like well we had this act and like i guess we just gotta tell everyone that hey, we gotta be real we gotta be honest with them and like the earth is ending in five years and just let everyone know everything we know <laughs> it's like, like I don't, I don't know, man. Steve, we got this really classified aircraft, but John came through and he said, please let me know. And I said, I, I guess I got to tell him now. Yeah. He said, please. He said, please. And he showed me the act in a pamphlet that described it. <laughs> yeah. And then here you go. 
Like, yeah. I, there's no way they're telling us. Right. It they're feels just like being we're selective. Exactly. It feels smoke and mirrors, which is why a lot of people think, oh, I don't know. Is this the real place? Or is there another place now? Maybe, I didn't even think maybe about they being another place. Can you imagine? What if they, what if they said, crap, we're found out. Everyone just went into their tunnels and they burrowed for miles and miles way north until they found <laughs> a new spot, popped up to the surface and said, we're area 12 now. You know, I don't know. I feel like you just build out a new spot. Yeah. All right, coming back to my notes now, let's talk about some more of the sightings and UFO stories in the area that kind of helped groundswell up this momentous topic of Area 51. So 1947, the Roswell incident occurred. In short, we have a rancher, W.W. Mac Brazel, who found pieces of metal and rubber on his property. Many believe this debris to be left over from a UFO, but we'll talk more about that story in particular later in kind of the conspiracies section at the end. Like, when you say pieces of metal and rubber, I'm just thinking like 70s UFO or 60s UFO where it's like, it's a flying saucer or, you know what I mean? Like a two plates and then a teacup upside down. (laughs) Yeah. And then, and then it's got like wheels like an airplane. That's the rubber. Like, yeah. Rubber can be used uh, for multiple things, which is so weird. It's like, and rubber. It's like, does it look like a tire? Like what is it? It's an amazing story. But it leaves a lot to be desired when you see the photos of the debris. You start uh, to go, man, that's underwhelming. You know, it's like some... Is this like the story? It, yeah, it's like very thin metal sheeting and then, yeah, some rubber and some kind of sticks and stuff. Continuing now down the timeline, though. So what I want to reiterate, kind of provide some clarity because we did do a, a bit of a tangent. So what I'm kind of going through now are some of the stories that existed before the known... Area 51 that kind of like I'm trying to now walk you through how UFOs and aliens entered the zeitgeist entered the minds of a generation and so we can try to correlate the history the facts of the area 51 with with the stories and see if we can't try to put it all together and figure out okay this makes sense for example the next piece I have is that during the testing of the U-2 aircraft the reason why they're in the area right the salt flats and everything is going down in the 1950s this corresponded perfectly with an increase in UFO sightings reported in the area. And so now combining that with why people are in the area, you start to build a more pragmatic answer as to what are these UFOs. And maybe if this is the origin, it doesn't matter how it spiraled out. Maybe the origin being earthly in explanation might kind of bring it all back down, so to speak, to earth and make more realistic explanations that are not yeah. maybe aliens right it, it, it grounds it but i mean that makes perfect sense all these tests like secret aircrafts going up in the sky if it's got different light patterns from what you're used to seeing or mm-hmm. different formation or like layout from what you're used to seeing or it's extremely high into the sky moving to go planes on and usually a lot lower than that. Right. You're thinking aliens. Man, if I saw a plane at 60,000 feet, if I could see it. If you could, yeah. If it was night and had its high beams on, I'm thinking maybe that's a satellite. And if I'm in the 50s, I'm thinking that's a really slow shooting star. You know? Mm. I don't know. Maybe maybe their eyes were just better because they but were staring in the at area, phones all the time. You keep seeing it. Huh? You're in the area, you keep seeing it. Then you go, it can't be multiple shooting stars. Oh. How many times is... You're telling me there's a satellite that's passing my sky like every other night? It's going in circles over there. Yeah. So Hmm. I guess guess that's how you could spiral into aliens? Yeah, that's true. Yeah? Just trying to think. Yeah. 
That and sensationalized headlines, of course, uh, probably true. help spur things up. But yes. moving on now to Project Blue Book. We talked about this in various episodes, but essentially it was an Air Force project that investigated UFO sightings from 1947 all the way up to 1969. They were able to attribute a majority of the sightings of UFOs in the area to Area 51 flight records. That's really nice and practical to, to yeah. put together. However, it is the government itself doing it. Right. So, so there, it leaves room for conspiracy to say, well, maybe you're just shuffling your own stuff under the rug and claiming otherwise alien activity as yours so we don't freak out. It's also worth mentioning that this information wasn't public at the time, and so thoughts and stories of it being aliens could certainly spread more rapidly than the truth was able to catch up. Thousand percent. I'm like, okay, well, it's, it's good that we have a practical solution here, but without yeah. people knowing, they're going to spiral. Oh, yeah. So that's, again, building to the lore of Area 51. It's also the fact that Area 51 itself was so secretive. From the very beginning, it spurred rumors. The restricted airspace, even to other military personnel, was such a curiosity, unfamiliar to the nation at the time. It had 24-hour security. I mean, your first question was, why is it so heavily guarded? And they've got signs on common streets that say, literally, once you pass this sign, it is our right, if we so need to or choose to, to take you out. It is a warning that you should not trespass because people with binoculars, people in black trucks, you know, with the darked out windows are going to, you know, pull out their binoculars, start looking at you. People have footage of all that. And I'm wow. like, why are you dabbling with it, man? The men yeah. in black are going to come wipe your don't, cerebellum like that. Don't risk it. Mm-hmm. And then also the fact that it had its own little baby airline. Like I said, it flew in their own employees. And so clearly perfect chemical balance for, for rumors to go off the, oh, yeah. off the handles. Now jumping forward a little bit still, in 1989, there was an anonymous individual later identified as Bob Lazar who appeared on Las Vegas' KLAS and told interviewer George Knapp that he, in fact, worked at Area 51 as a scientist, and part of his work was specifically to reverse engineer crashed UFOs. I remember this. Oh, yeah. If you're interested, I'll give you a, like some high-level thoughts here, Task Force, so don't feel like you got to run away just yet. But after this episode, we did a whole deep dive into Bob Lazar, so if you're interested in what I'm about to say, I encourage you to check that out. But in short... It seemed like the man capitalized on rumors in the community, combined with his fascination for mechanics and science, and either A, fabricated a very intricate story, or B, was telling the truth, and in a way that kind of shattered us all with regards to UFOs. It went from stories to, oh my gosh, this is real, this man is confirming it. Yeah, there's like a part of his story is like he'd pass by doors and then yep. have like some really interesting things in them. Yep, he they called the aliens the kids because yeah. they were all apparently yeah. three foot tall. Yeah, the kids, traditional like little gray aliens, right? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you some more details though. So when talking about these UFOs that he was reverse engineering, he claimed that they were powered by Element 115, which at the time had yet to be discovered. So he's basically anticipating an element at the time a stranger to humankind. Additionally, he said that the government had been in contact with aliens from the system Zeta Reticuli, which sounds like a perfectly reasonable sci-fi name. Yep. But he also claimed he saw them while being in the workplace, that there were living beings from beyond Earth walking around in Area 51, specifically a secret location called S4. That's where he said he worked. That's where he said most of this reverse engineering went down. At the time, especially, no one had ever heard of a location within Area 51 called S4. So what he did 
depending on how you want to believe this, if he was telling the truth, it's very vivid truth. If he's telling a story, he's really writing the lines between sci-fi, adding details to kind of encourage your belief in what he's saying, and also using reality. But what's interesting, and again, we go into way more detail in the Bob Lazar episode. One thing that stood out though is that he made some claims about a device that can scan your hands. It was a way to prove your identity so that way when you walked into work, it wasn't scanning a badge, it was putting mm -hmm. your hands on a device, scanning them, it proves your identity that way, and then you can enter the facility. It was years after he claimed a device of that nature and drew sketches of it that that device actually showed up in the public and was subsequently declassified. So it's things like that that make people go, I don't know, is he telling the truth? Because how would he know about this classified device? Well, because of his clearance. Well, that's that's to believe him then. So then, well, I don't you believe think the it's, aliens are it's there. It's not to believe everything, right? Because I'm I, oh. I'm to believe that he knows about a handful of classified things. Yeah, like the scanner for your identification, because that's just going to be something that they're just like, look, man, we've got class level fifteen. This hand device scan thing. We can get people from up to level, like, as low as level two can use it. You know what I mean? Got it. And, and, and it's such so, as what I'm so getting at. So he's using the truth well, he's, he's, to he's sell using the truth. The where it's just like, oh, okay, well, like, yeah, there are some things that I'm privy to that no one else is privy to. Got it. But, like, so is everybody else in this area. That's just the day-to-day -day stuff. We got some things that are a little bit more advanced in terms of tech than what you see out there just because of where we're at. Because if you're going to have a facility... That is heavily guarded like that. You're, they're they're going to use some higher level stuff mm -hmm. in terms of technology and the way. And, and even if even if it's just for like convenience or like security reasons. And so I do think he was privy to that kind of access. But I, but I do feel like it's access and like more common to everyone else Got in the it. facility. And so he's like, look, there's a handful of things that like no one else has. But it helps bolster his story. Right. A hundred percent. What makes it kind of interesting is that there's no real history of him working where he claimed to or having a degree from the college that he had claimed to go to. We talk way in detail, like I said, I'll sell the episode one more time. In the Bob Lazar episode, we talk about that. But I don't know, it's it's just very did the interesting. Did government pull it? Ooh, I think, did we talk about that? As a, as, a, as a theory that because he was coming out with all this classified stuff that the government's going, we need to discredit this man yeah, right. we, we and pluck all of his records. That. We Ooh, did. oh man. I, it, it goes, we talk, sorry, I can talk all day. This is yeah. the first episode I actually wrote. So I was like, oh, that's sick. like, yeah, we talk about that. We talk about, um, it shows you how long it's been since we recorded that. I barely remember, yeah. but I just, we've done a man, lot of task force. Bob Lazar is just such an interesting individual. We could, like I said, go way off the lines here, but, but the point is, there are multiple stories from before Area 51 and after it that really helped hoist it into the public eye and really helped these rumors start to spread. And it's because of all the known and unknown elements of Area 51 that these rumors are flying around just as hot as they were decades ago. I think this will be a permanent affixture to the mystery board of, of oh, yeah. the United States. Their task force. As always, it's me, Trevor, to give you the ins and outs, the housekeeping notes, as it were, of Red Web. And oh, we have just a few of them. Speaking of a few notes, we have a notebook at store.roosterteeth.com, as well as our conspiracy snapback hat. It's a black hat, the task force logo, red underbrim, and a lush silver cloth on the inside to emulate the tinfoil protection from the 
government mind wipes and alien brain-sucking straws. Proverbial, of course. We also have the evidence box and so many other things. If you want to support the show that way, you can do so at store.roosterteeth.com, and we thank you so, so much. But otherwise, if you want to give us a free gesture of love and support, you can always share this show with a friend of yours. Just word of mouth means so much to us and helps this show grow and reach new other task force members to all join the conversation. So if you've shared this show with somebody else, also thank you so, so much. With that said, we have a couple of fantastic sponsors to talk about. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like you're constantly giving your time and energy to others, but then neglecting your own needs? It's tough to find the balance between supporting others and taking care of ourselves. Sometimes we need just a little extra help to maintain that balance, and that's where therapy comes in. It can be a game changer when it comes to finding balance and learning how to set healthy boundaries. And let's face it, who couldn't use some extra support and guidance in life? If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a really great option. They make it super easy and accessible because it's all done online. Plus, they'll work with your schedule to make sure that you can fit it into your busy life. All you have to do is fill out a quick questionnaire to get started, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com RedWeb today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Red Web. This episode of Red Web is also sponsored by ExpressVPN. It's the only way to truly keep your online activity private. You know all those times when you use public Wi-Fi at coffee shops, hotels, fast food restaurants, your parents' house? Well, without ExpressVPN, your online activity can be monitored by the network admin. And don't get me started on what your nosy parents could possibly discover about your behaviors online. ExpressVPN encrypts all of your network data and routes it through a secure network of servers so your private online activity stays private. And the best part, it's super easy to use. Just tap the button and start browsing. I've used ExpressVPN several times and no matter if I'm gaming or browsing the web, I experience no drop in speed, which is really nice. And I appreciate just how easy it is to use. You can stop letting strangers invade your online privacy. Protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash redweb. Use our link at expressvpn.com slash redweb to get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash red web to learn more. This episode of Red Web is also sponsored by Babbel. If you're planning a summer trip abroad, you need the go-to travel hack, Babbel. Whether you're a seasoned explorer or a newbie, speaking the local language can unlock incredible experiences. That's where Babbel comes in. With over 10 million subscribers, they're the perfect language learning app for anyone looking to learn a new language fast. Babbel has fun and easy bite-sized lessons that fit into your busy schedule. Just 10 minutes a day and you'll be able to have real-life conversations in as little as three weeks. Their lessons are built on practical conversations like ordering food or asking for directions so you'll be ready to jump right into the culture. I really enjoy Babbel because it helps me keep up to date with my languages that I learned way back in my schooling days, such as Spanish and French. I really do appreciate that it offers me that conversational level, which is very, very important if you want to even attempt that full immersion experience itself. Right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash redweb. Again, that's babbel.com slash redweb for up to 55% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. And with that said, let's get right back into the mystery. 
Let's talk about some of the rumors, stories, and conspiracy theories surrounding Area 51. So like I said, we are going to talk a little bit more about the Roswell UFO incident and see if anything stands out to you. On June 14th, 1947, the rancher named W.W. Mac Brazel discovered unidentifiable debris in his sheep pasture. This is about 80 miles northwest of Roswell, New Mexico, or 129 kilometers if you prefer. Brazel described the scene as, quote, a large area of bright wreckage made up of rubber strips, tinfoil, and rather tough paper and sticks. What does that sound like? An arts and craft project? Sound like maybe the pieces of an aircraft that they were testing? Rubber strips, Wait, rubber tin strips, foil, tin foil, tough paper, and sticks. Wait, oh, what? This just seems like seems like someone's a goofy science kite. project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. Some people believe that it was a high altitude balloon, but I'm sure we'll get to it. So on July 4th, 1947, he gathered all the wreckage that he could find, gathered it into his car, and then drove off. Brazel then reached out to police and brought them all the debris he could find, which the police then brought the military on board to investigate as well. Major Jesse Marcel, an intelligence officer, was sent to Brazel's pasture in order to investigate. While visiting the site, Marcel decided to comment to a, a local newspaper, the Roswell Daily Record, on what they had found. This may have been a mistake because it's really what launched it into the public's mind. On July 8th, the story ran in the afternoon paper with the headline, RAAF Captures Flying Saucer on Ranch in Roswell. On July 9th, an airfield official clarified the statement made in the paper claiming now the debris found was from a crashed weather balloon. So immediately this feels like backpedaling, but what it is is that I think the newspaper ran with something very quickly and then the officials were like, hold on, you, you went too far too fast. This is what it actually is. And now the, now the public's going, you backpedaled. Right. You've got even more to hide. It also just seems like it's tinfoil, some rubber, some sticks, and then like, the person that owns the property is like, I don't know what this is. And then goes to the sheriff and the sheriff goes, I don't know what this is. And then calls another person, like mm -hmm. a colonel, and goes, I don't know what this is either. And I'm like, is it just foil and some sticks? Some foil and some sticks. Like, it it sounds like a third grade arts and crafts project None of this sure. sounds like, I don't know, like you couldn't have put it together yourself or something or bought it at the supermarket. Mm. That's the thing that's like throwing me way off right now. There's no... <laughs> No type of like liquid or material or substance right. or chemical, no technology, no tech. It's just like, just seems so basic. Right. Now, what's interesting about this debris, it's possible that it could be tied back to the then highly classified government project called Project Mogul. Basically, to contextualize this, it was essentially a nuclear deterrent. Because back in the wake of World War II, there was a lot of tension in the Cold War between oh, yeah. the U.S. and the USSR. And uh, these were basically very high-altitude balloons that would be sent up into the ionosphere that would then monitor for incoming nuclear weapons. So that way, we could either launch countermeasures, know it's coming, move people, whatever needs to be done. So that is one of the leading theories as to what this debris actually was about. I will say, as like, as like this, the Roswell story, it's so underwhelming. Yeah. I was like, what? That's the story? Mm, mm. Okay. Now, of course, people coming out and saying, no, 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 this is just for like, hey, it, it is top secret, but it is for this high altitude anti-nuclear weapon kind of device. It, it didn't stop the people from going alien wild. They they for oh, yeah, sure you're, thought you're that this was- covering it up. Right, exactly. And so of course, as you know, Today, even, Roswell is, is heavily toured by many tourists that 
want to come take pictures or want to see aliens, want to see UFOs. And sightings have been continuously happening in and around these areas for, for decades. And so the question is, is it because of aliens enjoying this as a hotspot or is it because of all the military and government agencies around? Yeah, I guess it's like, why would that be the alien hotspot? Why are aliens going there? But it could be aliens all across the country and then they just bring it to I still like the idea that they're just one. They're teenage aliens and they're like, they're popping over here and they're like, oh, yeah. What's your top secret stuff? Let me go see it. I'm going to put you on blast. You're like, oh, come on, man. Why do you got to, why do you got to publicize my my secret area 51? We just make airplanes. (laughs) Blow it up. Hey, let's just, let's just hover our aircraft right near that, that military base just just for a little bit. Freak them out. Yeah. This will stir things up (laughs) and then they watch. All right. So for many years, most of the general public accepted the explanation that came from the government, right? That it was just a high altitude balloon. However, in 1978, physicist turned UFOologist Stanton Friedman rediscovered this 1947 case when he was tipped off that Jesse Marcel had an interesting account of the incident. Marcel told Friedman that the weather balloon explanation was a cover story and all photos and evidence were staged to hide the fact that it was actually an extraterrestrial spaceship that had been found. And that's why we then joke about it because all the things made available to us were smokescreen and mirrors. There have also been other claims of people being on the ground at the time, witnessing alien bodies from this crash, though Marcel has denied this. This rumor was started by the 1980 book, The Roswell Incident, by Charles Berlitz and William Moore, for what it's worth. Oh, I mean, it's coming out of a book. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of just like, look, man, how are we going to write? We need to write something that makes us money. So there's that. But two, it's just like, we're going to write something, but also, I mean, what does this book have that nothing else has? Exactly. That's uh, exactly man, it. They, they took bodies out of it. There's bodies. bodies. Yeah. Yeah, come on. Right, right. I mean, logically speaking, if if it were, in fact, an alien spacecraft, I feel like it would be a drone, a self-replicating piece of technology that could fly off into space, ignore the fact that it was ever from life, land on planets, harvest material, make more aircraft fly off again kind of like an interstellar virus and then yeah. it just came here and then maybe crashed so even then it will be just boil right right some like rubber uh, i don't know sticks sticks i don't know Bro, man is it the sticks. smoke and mirrors or is it the honesty i, I can't figure it out but you man. say sticks yeah but what the public got was like tinfoil and sticks uh. man <laughs> Come on, dude. If it was like oh any, like, bro, give me something. Right, right. <laughs> You're in the middle of, like, your land. You're t- saying tinfoil and sticks? Mm-hmm. I could literally put that together in the next two minutes. Bro, you could build that into a coat rack, because right now I'm struggling to hang my hat on this thing. That's it. Damn you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, finishing up with the uh, with the Roswell. Some believe that... The supposed UFO debris and its dead or alive alien crew, kind of up to interpretation, are being studied at Area 51's rumored underground facility. So that's what, kind of bringing it all back to Area 51. I know we kind of went deep on Roswell, but perhaps the Roswell UFO is one of the aircrafts that Bob Lazar was said to have been reverse engineering. Perhaps this is one of the original reasons why Area 51 exists. So the last piece on this is that Of course, in 2013, when Area 51 was declassified, a lot of people were split. Some people were like, boom, this solidifies to me that Bob Lazar was telling all the truth and Mm -hmm. nothing but the truth. And then some people go, okay, well, I do think it weakens the case that he had. It is just a flight test facility. It has nothing to do with aliens. 
But one of the things that keeps some theorists going, keeps them motivated, hungry, is project, oh man, is a project called Have Donut. Have Donut? Have Donut. All caps. All caps, because you gotta have that donut. Basically, it was a project, a top secret project, where captured Soviet airships would be obtained and then subsequently reverse engineered. And so, because of that, it does open up the foundations for saying, okay, well, we do reverse engineer things. Why not alien things? Because you don't have access to it. I mean, what? What? It is a bit of a leap to go from reverse engineering a nearby country's items to reverse engineering an interstellar traveler's items. But, but anyway, that, it doesn't stop people from wishing. All right, let's move it's on. Just, it's, I mean, it's just, it's just so, it's such a weak argument. I think people are, are arguing that, well, it's in their wheelhouse. Right. Right. It's in my wheelhouse <laughs> to get paid. So it's just like, well, if he, if he gets paid a hundred dollars, why does it have a million dollars? It's like, it doesn't, because it doesn't exist. I don't have it. It's mm. just like, they don't have this alien technology. Alfredo you Diaz, re- one percenter? You could reverse, <laughs> I don't know. You I don't know. Reverse engineer stuff. That's a good point. He might be paid a million dollars. Doesn't mean, Uh-oh. bro, I haven't seen it. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't mean that they have access no, for to, sure. like, for sure. I mean, yeah, sure. but that's what probably the, the first going. place to go, mm. right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a leap. It, it's like your specialty is in playing with boats, so you must be time traveling. Well, both are mechanical in a way, right? But completely different lanes. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on now. Roswell, super fascinating case. Definitely started to get attached to Area Fifty One, but another program, top secret that may or may not exist. It's called the Aurora Program. And uh, well, let's just talk about it and see how it might be attached to Area 51. So Aurora refers to a rumored reconnaissance aircraft believed to travel at Mach 5, i.e. hypersonic speed, just way faster than the speed of sound. Others still rumor that this supposed aircraft could travel upwards of Mach 8. That's face-peelingly fast. I, I feel like at a human, if a human being jumped out of an aircraft going at Mach 8, you would become missed. <laughs> Like just gone. Now to contextualize this again, my favorite aircraft, the SR-17 Blackbird, it was able to travel at Mach 3 speeds. Rumors of an Aurora project kind of aircraft began to crop up as the Blackbird project was aging. A little fun fact about the uh, SR-71 Blackbird, when you fuel that thing on the ground, it leaks fuel because it's built to go Mach 3. And when it's going that fast, it has so much friction on it that the metal expands. So it expands into place. And so when it's on the ground, it has all these gaps and loose spots. And so fuel will just kind of trickle out of it. So that way when it blasts off and it gets up to speed, all that metal expands where it should be. What? And then holds And then it stops leaking. What? It's wild, huh? (laughs) Some very smart people. Yeah. Now the public believed that the government must be working on something better if the SR-71 Blackbird was going to be retired in 98 or 99. I think that's a reasonable thing to Very say. reasonable, yeah. It's an amazing piece of technology and amazing feat of engineering. We're hitting the 2000s. We think hoverboards and hovercars are all coming around. We're going to be teleporting this way and that. Well, we were so wrong. We were not on the ball. Instead, we had the dot-com bubble. We had pets.com. Uh, you know, we, yeah. we instead looked yeah. inward and went to the internet. But, but I think that's totally reasonable. But again... We don't know if this project ever existed. 
It's just a reasonable assumption. So the legend of the Aurora project began in 1990 when Aviation Week and Space Technology magazine published the term Aurora had been used in 1985's U.S. budget as an allocation for $455 million for, quote, black aircraft production in the 1987 fiscal year. So basically something mysterious showed up on the budget and people started going, dang, we got to start looking at this line by line. What does that mean? According to the magazine, the term Aurora referred to the group of exotic aircrafts, not a singular spacecraft itself. And then air quotes, black projects are top secret government or military projects. So combining all of that, you have a fleet potentially of highly classified question marks. Perfect storm for for rumors to fly off the handrails. Oh, for sure when you're talking about aliens, but again, it just seems like it is what it is. You it know, does. It does. Because it seems pretty straightforward. Like maybe, maybe not. There's a lot of th- there's a lot of things that we can't trust with the government, but you know they're gonna something's declassified. You know there's already a more advanced version of it, right? Or right. an altered version of it. Hundred like, percent. They're constantly trying to work on pushing technology and and having an upper hand on, you know, against different countries. Yep. So and we're always going to know about it late. Right, Which exactly. is why I always like to say, there's something crazy advanced out there right oh, now. Oh, most definitely. And we just don't know what it is. It, right, exactly. So yeah, all this makes perfect sense. Oh yeah. Now in 1989, you have a man named Chris Gibson who saw a strange triangular shaped aircraft while working on an oil rig in the North Sea in Europe. What's interesting here, and the reason why I'm talking about a European sighting is this. Gibson was previously in the Royal Air Force for 12 years as a member of the Royal Observer Corps. He was tasked with visual detection slash tracking of aircraft. So this was his his gig. This is what he was doing. Now, he claimed that he saw this mysterious triangular-shaped aircraft flanked by two U.S. aircraft that were then refueling the triangular plane mid-flight. So basically, the idea is that he was thinking he was seeing one of the aircrafts within Project Aurora internationally. He's like, I see this aircraft. I don't recognize it at all. It's being refueled in the air. It's being blocked by two other planes. But you're right. It could easily be one of the stealth bombers, which is very triangular. Yeah, it's it's very triangular. Yeah. Now, in 2005, you have a man named Bill Sweetman. He was an Aviation Week editor, and he wrote that Aurora could explain budget holes, sonic booms heard in Southern California, as well as Gibson's sighting. So what he's trying to do is pull it all together. You have a couple people throughout Nevada and Texas. Now you have... Chris Gibson, who's seeing something specific over in Europe. And then you also have mysterious sonic booms happening kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. You pull this all together and it starts to tell a story. It starts to maybe validate the idea of a secret project that we know it's Aurora, or at least on paper it was called that. Mm -hmm. We know nothing else. He believes that he has found $9 billion of unexplained Air Force spending. That's a lot of money. That's a lot. I'm very afraid to see all the spending that's off the record. That, yes. Right, the non-public spending. Now, here's what's interesting, which is why I love your gut instinct. You have the former head of Skunk Works, Ben Rich. He wrote in his memoir that Aurora was simply a budget code used for a possible stealth bomber. Basically, when you go to to mark down your hours, as anyone does any week, you just attribute that time to Aurora. And so, maybe that was the project name. And boom. Stealth bomber. Stealth bomber. That's what they worked on. Oh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You gotta log the budgets and you gotta allocate the time. 
Right, right. And, and, and it's like, tax money, too. So oh, it's like, yeah. it has to kind of be somewhere. Yeah. And so this is, uh, it's interesting how Area 51-ish is being, uh, I'll just use the word dismantled mm -hmm. in terms of it's like, oh, alien facility. Like, all this sounds like, yeah, it's a top secret government facility. Right, right. Where they focus on aviation. Yep. But that's what they do. And it totally makes sense as to why people are like, aliens, I'm seeing weird stuff come out of there. I'm hearing weird noises. Like, well, yeah, they're testing stuff. Oh, yeah. It's it's interesting. I mean, so far now we've covered two rumors that kind of center on Area 51. It's like we got a, a hub and spoke situation where Area 51 just has all these arms that reach out into these rumors, conspiracies, and mm -hmm. otherwise guesswork as to what's going on there. Now, this next one is super interesting. Because there are conspiracy theories at Area 51 that involve specialized paranormal research in other programs. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked a lot about aliens. I think everyone, when you, when you hear Area 51, you go, boom, aliens, little green men, reverse engineering, secret planes. Now we've got weather control. We've got time travel. We've got teleportation. Many of these strange theories revolve around the idea that there are underground areas at Area 51 where this technology could be hidden. This otherwise extremely advanced technology beyond any level of our current comprehension. You know, this would basically be like if we were in the 1980s while we're all using wired telephones with that long coil cable and they're down there using their touchscreen smartphones, right? It would be almost akin to that. Oh, I 100% think that's what's happening, but I don't think like time travel and stuff. I don't know. No? No. Why is the economy so terrible? Oh, well, why, that's why. Uh, who knows? I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like they would time travel and then, you know, there. I feel like there'd be a lot more stuff in our history as beneficial to the United States. Maybe they just meddled too much and then they, they broke it all up. They said, you know, let's go back and check out the dinosaurs. And they stepped on the wrong grasshopper and it just wiped out half the ecosystem. They came back and they said, oh, where's Atlantis? Uh, Bobby, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you get into all that theory and dude, that'd be, yeah. One of the small theories is that Area 51 has a secret Cheshire airstrip. Supposedly, this is a secret landing strip that can only be revealed with sprinklers that wet the surface and allow pilots to see it. This theory is odd since Area 51 is already, you know, it's already got Groom Lake so they can land and take off from there. And they, and they would also still be picked up on radar no matter where they were landing out there. So a secret airstrip doesn't really stand to reason. But this theory arose from a blog called Otherhand, who supposedly heard about it from an anonymous pilot. Doesn't seem like there's a lot of weight there, but either way, there's more paranormal theories floating around this place than I would have guessed. Yeah. I like, do you think, think they got ghosts in, in cages down there? I don't think they got ghosts in cages. Maybe Ghostbusters are real. You know, you got the men in black and the Ghostbusters at the same agency. Yeah, like, I think it's interesting. I never thought about paranormal stuff being, like, tied into Air 51. <gasps> Alien ghosts. Maybe we're not seeing UFOs. We're seeing high-altitude ghosts. Oh. You ever think of that? Yeah. No. I've, I've, never, <laughs> I've never seen a ghost at high altitudes. What does it do when the sun hits it? Yeah, wait. Maybe it twinkles like a triangle. <laughs> <laughs> Like a triangle. <laughs> I don't know, man. All right. To kind of wrap up the idea of the paranormal, some say that there are tunnels underground that connect Area 51 to other military bases and test sites. I think that's perfectly reasonable. But for some, this seems far-fetched. There is a former employee that told Los Angeles Times in 2012 
that there is some truth to this theory. My personal take is that maybe it's not as fantastic as a sprawling underground city of advanced technology and paranormal research, but who knows? This world is strange. In fact, during Project NERVA, N-E-R-V-A, which stands for Nuclear Engine for Rocket Vehicle Application, testing was done underground at Area 25 in the Nevada test site, and three test cell facilities were connected by railroad, but everything else was underground, is what they had to say. Area 25 is roughly about 50 miles from Area 51, so with all that kind of said, it stands to reason that there could at least be some mysterious underground tunnels, but what they contain and what their purpose is yet to be determined. Ooh. So you don't hang your hat on the uh, the paranormal stuff as much? No, I hang my hat on there's a lot of advanced technology there. There's yeah. a lot of um, mostly focused on aviation. They're testing stuff out and that's why they're locking stuff down. I mean, if they're making sense. If they were making a, an advanced plane to fly and spy on different countries, well then yeah, I get why they're flying people in and, and like you know, the different divisions piled on because it's a great place and to, to, to make this stuff. And then, then all the top secret, like uh, yeah. traveling and transportation. Yeah. It's just interesting. Because I mean, like, it's what, like, oh, okay. Like you're working on one specific thing. I'm working on the new stealth bomber, but then like, they don't want you, you know, they don't want you to see or mm -hmm. know what's going on in the hangar next to you, which is, which could be uh, another type of right plane. Or Nor do they want photos out the airplane. Right. Or, or bus windows is probably yeah. why it's all blacked out. So really, all it is to me, and it sounds like to you, is just oddities that we're not used to in the normal world. Yep. And our our deep curiosity for what's going on is running into the wall that is top secret engineering work. That's just all it is. Yeah. And, and you so, know, and you know what? I think why this like top secret government facility is so public and so out there is because it deals with aviation right mm -hmm. like you're not like the government isn't going to spend money on building like a facility and then having an underground like landing strip and it opens like the ground opens up like charles xavier's mansion you know and, 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 <laughs> oh and, they like, had the, an sr-71 and, and, and then they're you know the x-men jet comes out of the ground how'd it take us this like, long to get to movies but like you, you know what i mean like so like they're dealing with Flying aircraft, yeah. So they need the space. They need things to be open. For I don't sure. know. It's all just kind of that's where my mind's at. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we have two more kind of rumors slash conspiracies to discuss. So let's dive into it. In 2011, a book called Area 51 Uncensored absolutely exploded the attention on Area 51. It released in just so much intrigue and dripping with it, right? We talked a little bit in Roswell about the little green aliens that were seen, mm -hmm. or gray aliens, depends. Right. But this is actually, this expands on that in a really interesting way. Okay. This is a book about Area 51, of course, but it reportedly is based on interviews of many inside sources. And so this immediately, oh, oh yeah, got a lot of interest on it. Okay, we got some Bob Lazars in here. Let's yeah. hear what they have to say, essentially. You got a collection of former employees. Absolutely. So it was written by journalist and editor of the Los Angeles Times, which seems to give it credence, Annie Jacobson, who introduced a new and alternate theory for the Roswell incident. Oh. It's very interesting. I hadn't heard this before. I'm just waiting on the edge of the, the clip before I dive in because it's so interesting. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. I mean, it makes sense that there'd be a book. I mean, good on someone to yeah. be able to essentially scoop up a, a bunch of former employees. Right. I, well, I, like, we hope. 
right? Yeah. You trust. You, you, you trust. But also at the same time, like my experience, there's a lot of times where like former and former employees will like leave and kind of like bolster a story. Right. You know right. I mean? They'll lean on it. Yeah. They'll kind of add to it. And yeah. then you go, well, you were a Navy pilot, so you must know about X, Y, or Z. Yeah. So this is in particular about Roswell now. So at the crash site, some of the witnesses claimed to have seen child-sized bodies, which once again further fueled that alien theory. That's not really new news, but Jacobson claims that these child-sized bodies in the crashed ship were actually part of a Soviet experiment. So she wrote that Joseph Mengele, a Nazi physician, of course, aliens involved, time travel and everything, mm -hmm. Nazis gotta be in mm -hmm. play. He was a Nazi physician who did experiments on prisoners at Auschwitz. He apparently was hired by Stalin to create some type of team of child-sized pilots, very twisted stuff. And in order to sow fear in the US, they wanted to have these child-sized pilots fly around this experimental craft to basically raise the alarm bells and get people really worried. But unfortunately, for them anyway, this vehicle, that whatever they were flying crashed, and that was a total accident. And so that's the crash per this book that they found at Roswell, that it wasn't aliens, it wasn't alien bodies, but in fact, unfortunately, children of the Soviet Union. This is blowing my mind, right? Because Area 51 and the whole Roswell situation is not aliens. It's more so just top secret stuff. And now other governments are getting involved yeah. to also like make us think it's aliens. Yeah. If that's true, right? Mm -hmm. Like, tell me, I mean, look, right? The Nazis, the Soviet Union, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of sketchy stuff. Throwing children. In an yeah. aircraft and sending them up to scare... It's a new level of sketch. The United States? That's a wild story. Let me try to ground it now. Okay. Because there is some, you know, a little bit of reality to base this on. Okay. I mean, of course you have the wreck, and of course you have witnesses saying they see entities of some kind. Yeah. The other piece of reality that it's grounded in is actually Orson Welles' radio show, War of the Worlds. We know about... I'm sure you know about the book and the movies, Tom mm -hmm. Cruise and everything. Oh, yeah. But when the radio play happened... It was so authentic and it was so believable that people thought that this was an actual situation, that the world was in fact being invaded by aliens. Oh my goodness. And this was 1938. And so this is a brand new kind of thing. Yeah, people I can are see freaking that. Out. I mean, yeah, I can see that happening. That's right. Yeah. How do you even, how do you do something like that and then not tell, I don't know, how to you, break you that immersion? Ask for forgiveness. Whereas like you every three minutes it's just like, hey, Guys, it's me. It's just not real. Right, right. It's just a story. Now we continue. Yeah. Like, I Imagine next week's episode. It's just me alone, super alarmist. And it's like, but it's on an iPhone kind of microphone. So I'm like, oh, God, guys, everything's changed. Everything's different now. Yeah. And then, but like suddenly it just cuts out. And you're like, was that a real episode? Are, are they okay? Yeah. It's what's going I mean, on. Check on their social media. Right. <laughs> but there's no social. There's no TV. No one to turn yeah. to. Just radio. So we're in the 30s. Orson Welles radio play really hits hard. I mean, people believe it. Now... The rumors are that this team of children pilots were all around 12 to 13 years old and that they were supposedly given, whether they were helmets or, or prosthetics or something, large heads with big eyes in order to look like aliens as described from the War of the Worlds play. And I'm thinking, man, you're really planning for this what? plane to go down so somebody sees these children. What? But basically the idea is, or the theory on top of this kind of rumor conspiracy is, is that Stalin's plan was to learn from how people believed the story in 1938 to continue to incite fear in other unique ways. 
I did want to add the theories that Mengele did like experiments and tests on these children. Like he, oh, like he, so did, he did. So he did more than just strap them into a plane. He, oh God. It was like, yeah, it's really. It's oh, really, that's terrible. We'll leave it at that. Cause I'm definitely yeah. not curious enough to know, but that's terrible. So, so when you say the big head and big eyes, it was not helmets and prosthetics as I was optimistically hoping. Yeah. It's definitely something more Nazi-like. Yes. Okay. Oh, God. God. So what do you think about that? I mean, I'd so never what? heard that like, before. The, the ship crash lands mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then you have, I mean, honestly, these children that are probably deformed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Experimented on. Experimented and on. And then, and then, and then what? Like it breaks the alien immersion. Yeah. Like, I, they'll <laughs> run an autopsy and then be like, okay. Or what? Like your best case scenario is they fly low enough, maybe a plane or someone spots them. Right. But more than likely, they're flying and then U.S. aircrafts tag them and then have them come down. Not yeah, shoot yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, let's back up a second. Essentially, like, br like bring them down and be like, hey, like land. Yeah. Here. Right. You you and hail you them essentially. The right. You radio. Right. You say, all right, we're gonna fly with us. We're gonna guide you in. Let's back up a second, because as I'm kind of spouting this rumor, it, it reeks a little bit to me of a lot of hindsight and fitting things in to, to kind of validate an otherwise uh, yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. story, right? It's got the universal baddies as like the centerpiece. It's got an enemy of the time, USSR, at, at the center. And then it builds a fantastic story around the rumor of, of, of seeing little aliens on the ground. Now... As fascinating as it all is, I gotta come back to the sticks and tinfoil. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. We're yeah. not flying some yeah. sort of advanced technology. This feels like they were given the world's worst parachutes if the story is to be believed. You yeah. know, what were they actually flying? And if there was two or three of them, I mean, I'm just like, I'm a little jumbled on the sticks, tinfoil, and rubber strips. I mean, it seems like it was literally nothing. They just strapped them to a rocket and sent them on their way. And then they parachuted down and parachutes didn't work. Goodness, you know, yeah. Like, uh, like we're not seeing an aircraft of any sort. It's right. like barely any debris. It feels like a like a rudimentary glider, if that. You know what I mean? Before we move on to the last kind of rumor slash story, which is very grounded in reality, I totally believe this next one. What would you feel like? What would you believe if you were on the ground having seen this whole Roswell situation? Just just seeing a couple of like. You have none of the stories yet. You're just uh, you're, you're like ground zero. And tin foil. Right, right, right. You're like, ground oh. zero. You're at the site. You're like, oh, this happened. This is weird. You're part of the party that finds it for the first time. What you, what would be realistically going through your head? Because I know we're kind of what dripping our doubt on it. What version are we looking at here? Just realistically, what he found, right? Rubber strips, tin foil, some sticks, some aluminum tubing. I think like, like someone just various to... pieces. I would think that like kids got into my like hop the fence to my land. Make a little tent. And then they're trying to just make some, I don't know, a little, little rocket or whatever it is, or just trying to build something. Or It's the shininess know, just, of it that makes it feel futuristic, right? Because like yeah. in the 50s, they're going, in the far future, everything's chrome. That's true. So does now with that kind of in your mind, does it does it shift in any way? Are you seeking I mean, some otherworldly answer? Foil. Yeah. Maybe pick it up and make a little hat out of it. And rubber. Yeah. There's not there's nothing that like alarms me whatsoever. You know yeah. what I mean? If anything, I'm probably thinking who's throwing trash on my <laughs> land. That's that's a good like, point. That's really where my mind's probably going right. to. Who was on my land and why they have their trash here. Still. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm just like 
we we've imposed a lot of our like hindsight and doubt on the story. I'm just really curious as to like all things removed now. I'm trying to like yeah. put myself back yeah. in time. What would I feel like? And I'm like, it's such it is a very mysterious pile of ingredients to have found. But I'm like, I really don't know what else I would think. Yeah, but usually there's one piece that makes you question. Yeah. Or even doubt. And right? I think it's I think really it's the fact that Area 51 is just in the rumor mill at the time that created this chemical concoction that exploded into it must be aliens for a lot oh, of Oh yeah, things. I mean, I, I could see that people were just like super heightened awareness on like aliens and top secret stuff. Yeah. But like, yeah. I still need something more than that. I think so too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, you could be talking about like some type of bad virus or something like that that's going around but bad virus you could it could be a bad superhero but if i'm not know? seeing like yeah they sure. call me the chrome rocket chrome i fly rocket. through the sky fun <laughs> i hit a sheet and then <laughs> scatter <laughs> but like if i'm not seeing something that makes it different you know absolutely all right moving on we have one more kind of bout of stories again something else that i'd never heard of before but totally makes sense in 1994 we had stella kasha and helen frost who were actually widows of two individuals who were contractors at Area 51. These two women, including a bunch of other anonymous individuals, sued the U.S. Air Force and the EPA, if you're international to the United States, that's the Environmental Protection Agency, and they sued them because they believed that their husbands and these other anonymous individuals were exposed to the smoke from burning unknown chemicals, which causes them skin irritation, respiratory issues, liver conditions, as well as multiple cancers. Kaza and Frost, the husbands who contracted Area 51, were both sheet metal workers. It's unknown what the other anonymous employee positions were, but suffice to say, a lot of individuals that factually worked at Area 51 are coming to the forefront with a lot of medical issues, centering around chemical toxicity as well as radiation and radioactivity. Oh, I believe that 100%. I mean, like, there's... It's factual that in U.S. history that we've had our soldiers or just people exposed to different chemicals and that has caused cancer and radiation mm -hmm. and chemical burn all the you know what i mean that oh, yeah. really destroyed the human body and so this makes sense this is a top secret test site they're testing things they might you know maybe they're bombing some stuff they're getting um, rid of stuff burning get, mysterious items yeah. yeah they're 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 experimenting and mm -hmm. with that you're diving into the unknown and you have these protocols in place but ultimately you don't know what the long lasting effects oh god be. no i yeah. mean think about it i was just talking to jillian before we were recording about decades ago they were using leaded gas yeah there's so much lead in the air just absolute toxicity central i mean even to this day if you get a microwave meal odds are you got a plastic type one that stuff's not supposed to be microwaved it's going to be leaching carcinogens into your food yeah and so even to this day, it is reasonable to expect toxicity in everyday things. Mm -hmm. So let alone a top secret government facility. But the thing is, like, we can kind of trust. Sure, I bet that that was happening. But it's more it opened the door to going, OK, well, what was, were the chemicals? Were they otherworldly? What other rumors stemmed from this? But of oh, course, yeah, I can see how that spirals into the narrative right. of Area 51 for sure. Right. So, of course, the family members are looking for any sort of payout or, or uh, reparations for the, for losing some of their family members or otherwise getting cancers and poisons and stuff. So the family members and employees wanted to find out exactly what they had been exposed to. 
But according to Seattle Times, in Frost's case in particular, quote, biopsies showed that his tissues were filled with industrial toxins rarely seen in humans. Wild. But because Area 51, now this is not a quote, but because Area 51 is exempt from environmental disclosure laws, the case was dropped due to the lack of evidence. And so now you have another very factual case based on reality, very believable, but because you can't dig any deeper because of the top secret level of this facility, it just makes more questions. So people go, boom, that must mean that you have some sort of radioactive being from another planet. Well, I mean, the thing is, it's like, I, I could see that 100% for sure, right? It's just like, we've never seen this type of level in, in a human being before. Right. But it also could just mean that they're just experimenting with high volume sure. or dosages of those chemicals. Absolutely. Right? Where they're in an area where the they don't necessarily have to follow government rules and regulations. Right. The government's like, hey, if you could find a benefit in this, go buck wild. Maybe, right. You know, we push the boundaries a little bit. No, exper and no then, spared and expenses, you start, you know? triple dosing quadruple dosing you start mixing things that like government's like i ah, shouldn't usually you know like you, right you're just going scientists are going nuts over there i'm sure they got dinosaurs underground you know they don't know when to stop that's true you know i've seen it in jurassic park it's that it came from somewhere yeah <laughs> and it also fossils. came from 1994. there's fossils underground mm, i don't know about that <laughs> i don't know about that science I don't think mm -hmm. it holds up. I think they're rocks. They're just really weird shaped rocks. <laughs> the rock. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing is if, if you got a government facility and they're pushing the frontier of science and military technology and they're hiding it all from law, then I'm sure they got, I don't know, different types of fuel that they're testing, different types of materials that they're yep. testing and burning these, touching these, interacting with these things, synthesizing different types of plastics even can create fumes. So really it it all makes sense um mm -hmm. but it but the point i'm trying to make is that it it really spurred to life the rumor mill right it just yeah woke up even more because of things like this and to get the answer to say oh well it's this chemical or oh it's this fume is to say hey world try to reverse engineer what would create this fume to try to figure out what we're working on you know right so that's the kind of last piece of storytelling and rumor centering I wanted to to give on Area 51, but otherwise, a very fascinating site with a lot of different stories attached to it. I, I think what makes this episode so great, like even though, you know, we sat here and, and kind of like, I, I, I don't see it, is the fact that like, I don't think most people know, right? The Roswell stuff. Yeah. Was, it was more simple than you think it was. Mm -hmm. And then with Area 51, it's just a highly publicized, top secret. That's, like, I love that. Highly publicized, top secret. <laughs> but it is, it though. Is. It like, it, it is. really is. Where yeah. it's like, this is the top, don't, top secret, don't touch it, don't even get close. Like, you know, we fly people in, and then they're in these, like, mm -hmm. vans. We block out the windows. Also, it's like, it's right here. You can see it. Maybe you can, like, get close enough to, you know, get some binoculars or hang out up against the fences, whatnot. You might see some stuff. But, like, hey, top secret. Right. You know, that's what it is. Yeah. So, and so, like, it's this perfect combination of, like, everyone knows about it. Everyone knows that, like, at the very least, the government is trying new things there. Mm -hmm. And and so just the mysteriousness of it, yeah, you spiral into stuff, right? Absolutely. Especially because there's a huge aviation history there. 
Definitely, so they're experimenting yeah. with different planes. You see something, you see a plane. I'm like, that could be an alien. I would think that too. You know what I mean? Like if I see some type of aircraft that I don't normally know, I go, an alien? Or is yeah. that like a government experiment? But if there's like a top secret aviation base, I would think skeptical me goes, okay, they're trying out something new. But yeah, there's a part of me that would go, damn. Yeah. Is that an alien aircraft? Did I just see something I wasn't supposed to see? 100%. Yeah. I think it it makes a lot of sense. Here, here's the thing. We're always going to give a little bit of our take as we go through these episodes. I think what's important to come out of this one is uncovering some of the unknown history that many people don't know. We take for, for face value that Area 51 is, I don't know, question mark, alien central, right? But I just, I think there's something so fascinating into dissecting the history, talking about the facts, and then correlating those against some of the rumors, some of the stories, some of the conspiracies, because then you can start to see the underlying truth to it all. And then you can see why these rumors start to spread out. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I think they're fascinating. And there's a lot of other sightings out there that are still super big question marks to me. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's still a lot of question marks, and there definitely could be aliens there, right? Oh, yeah. But it's one of those things where this gave me a perspective on Area 51 that I might not have had for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I just, like everyone else, it's the headline Area 51. Yeah aliens top yeah. secret you know what i mean because that's what's also like thrown out in hollywood and everything like that too right and and, and entertainment so sitting here going like oh okay like this is how it started and this is what they did and then okay this is and then and then obviously obviously the lane adjacent to that is like ah i see how they think it's aliens. yeah for sure and a lot of people use it at the center of their storytelling and uh regardless love it all i just even if it's just stories i love it and that's what this podcast is all about but one thing that's that's really fascinating is that clearly they're just working on cutting edge technology and when you see something sufficiently advanced it's either going to look like magic or it's going to look like aliens or just something that is capable of something beyond what we expect if i took my apple watch or my phone back to these times decades ago this watch that I'm wearing now has more computational power than the Apollo 11 landing capsule. So, I mean, we've done great things with small amounts, but the point is the far future is just right next door. It's tomorrow. Mm -hmm. We advance so quickly, so it's perfectly reasonable that a lot of these sufficiently advanced planes that were coming out of this time period, we were spending a lot of money building these planes, researching things. We were advancing very quickly. So when a glimpse of that hits the public, it's going to feel weird. It's going to feel like that thing feels more than a decade off. So yeah. it must be something else. And Aliens just happens to be a very wonderful catch-all. Right. Because on, on one hand, it answers a question that we've always wondered, are we alone? Yep. It's I think it's an evolutionary question embedded in us like right. to, to be curious. What is out there? And then on the other hand, you need to go... Well, either way, that thing's there. I need I need an answer for it. Yeah. And is it that there's a secret, scary place that does advanced technologies? Or, I don't know, for some people, aliens is kind of a comfort area. Because right. then you go, oh, that answers that. Like, nice. I, I like I completely believe there's a bunch of technology. Like, if you and I were to walk those halls, right? There's a mm -hmm. bunch of technology where we'd sit there and go, oh, my God, this is alien tech. But if we took a second to step back, it's like, not only does new tech breed, like, innovation but it also breeds a different aesthetic right Ooh. like they're not gonna have like if they create some kind of acid round or whatever they're not gonna throw it into an m4a1 right they will but ultimately they're gonna design some type of new looking firearm right. design to, to to go with that as well or 
to have it benefit, right? Because then it's like, this is a new type of ammunition, which needs a new type of barrel. And then right. from there, it's like, well, How instead of retrofitting and... all these M4A1s or these AKs, like, let's go ahead and design a whole new like right. rifle. And so, like, with the evolution of technology comes evolution of the aesthetic, too. I thought you were going to say there's going to be a bunch of scientists rocking streetwear down there. And I was like, hell yeah, we got some lab workers with the, like the loose fit shirts. But and- I mean, if they are messing with different types love of that. like materials and cloth and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why not? If I you- think we need some streetwear scientists. No joke. I love streetwear. I need that embedded in my science background. Um, Let me write that one down. Yeah, that, sorry, that's just a tangent I shoved in there. But absolutely. A new aesthetic comes with, comes with technology. Let me also just as we're kind of winding down the episode. Another piece of background on my part. A decade ago, I was working at an engineering facility and the whole point of this team that I was working on was advanced technologies. And it was like a baby version of what maybe Area 51 would be like. And one of the things I was researching and helping kind of figure out if it was a viable technology was lithium air batteries. This is way before, I mean, Tesla was like a baby at this time, the car company. EVs were on the like, the, the wish list way down the way. Yep. Batteries, nobody's really thinking about them. They're like, I use double A's. Like, but battery technology just hasn't moved. I doesn't matter. The point is, a lot of these companies that exist now have been thinking about what's coming out now has been thought about 10 to 20 years oh, ago. Yeah. And so, like, that's just a factual thing that I find so, so deeply fascinating. So if you love technology, if you love science task force, anything like that, I first of all, I love STEM, science, technology, engineering, math can't support that arm of education enough but also like if you find technology fascinating i encourage you to like start doing some research and digging in because what you see now in the public grade is just a trickling of what is possible there's just like you know it's like cameras right when you spend thousand dollars you get a decent camera you spend two thousand dollars it's double the price for like not double the the improvement and then if you get like a ten thousand dollar camera it's like not 10x. It's like uh, eventually things start to get way more expensive for the mm-hmm. smaller and smaller improvements. It's so interesting to start researching into that hyper expensive range because you start to see, holy crap, this is what the world could look like in 10 to 20 years. Because yep. it will. Because it oh. will, yeah. Now, or, I'm just, I mean, now I'm just geeking it's out. It's just millions and billions of dollars are go into uh, R&D research and yeah. development every single day. Yeah. And they're we're just getting just the consumer version of all these things. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, yeah. that's what, I mean, there's so many facets, so many things that I really love about Area 51. I love the alien stories. I love the sci-fi stories. But I also love, if nothing else, the pragmatic, grounded idea that advanced technologies are just out there and being hyper-focused on. Because I just, I yeah. love that. I just love that. I like, I, it's the same, right? I think the thing that intrigues me is the fact that there's this, again, publicized, top-secret military base. And you know they've got some insane technologies going oh, yeah. on in there, right? They're they're trying to push the boundaries of tech and maybe some other boundaries that they shouldn't be pushing. But that's what they're doing there. Oh, yeah. You know? You think we've and seen... I will say, yeah. I will add to that. Oh, please. I would say it's probably one of the top areas where if there was an alien, right, maybe they send them there. Mm. To experiment on, to look at, because it's an to established consult. base. They've got bright minds there, etc. So do do like like it's possible for sure. Absolutely. 
Well, that has been Area 51. A lot of musings on science, aliens, and everything in between. This is one of our longer episodes, but man, did I have a good oh, it's time. it's Area 51. It's Area 51. <laughs> How do I end it? How do I stop talking about you it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if it was a two-hour, hour and a half long episode of Squonk, awesome. Yeah, you know what? would be like, what? <laughs> Let's revisit Squonk. Area 51. <laughs> you get meaty on that. Absolutely. Sure. Well, Task Force, as always, thank you so much for uh, listening, supporting the show. I see so many of you tweeting us every single week, talking about sharing this show with your friends so you can indulge in mysteries with your buddies, but also like helping the task force spread other things like supporting us in the store, store.roosterteeth.com, reviewing the show on whatever platform you listen to us on. All of that means a whole, whole lot. So thank you so much for continued support on everything. And uh, let us know what your alien theories might be. If there's anything in Area 51 that you've heard that we haven't covered, I would love a good excuse to come back to this topic. Yeah. But otherwise, Fredo, I'll see you right back here next week for another mystery. But no, seriously, thank you for the help and the reviews because it keeps the light on. Thank you. Bye.